Let's pray while we stand. Let me lead us in a short prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it endures, that its truths are unchanging. We ask that you would help us tonight to see that there are good reasons for putting our trust in Jesus. Compel us, we pray, to do that. And help us to see that um, the salvation he brings is the greatest. And to be excited by that and helped to honour him. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Do have a seat. And uh, if you like to take notes, do uh, scribble away on, on this. And uh, do turn back in the Bible to John chapter 12 on page 1079. Um, it would help uh, you be able to see uh, why I'm saying what I'm saying uh, as we go along. We've uh, just started looking at this section of John and thinking about the final week of uh, Jesus' life. Uh, he's heading towards the cross, and uh, we're going to see uh, what happens in the next few chapters of John. Now, last week, if you were here last week in John chapter 12, 1 to 12, we saw Jesus at home with a family that he knew. And in those verses, he talks about his death, that his death is coming soon. So it's a bit of a surprise when in, in verse 12, at the start of our reading tonight, we find that he is welcomed as a king as he arrives in Jerusalem. He's been talking about he's going to die, and now he goes to Jerusalem and he receives this great welcome. There's a lot of excitement at the start of uh, verse 12, uh, at the start of our reading. As Jesus is honoured by this great crowd in Jerusalem, there's a great crowd in Jerusalem because it's the Passover, and uh, scholars would estimate that maybe up to a million people would come into Jerusalem for that festival. So imagine Wembley Stadium, maybe just getting towards 100,000 when it's full. Ten of those stadiums. That's the size of crowd that had come into Jerusalem. And they're very, very excited in verse 12 and verse 13. I wonder, what would get you this excited? That you would be standing in the streets and cheering a man or a person or cheering about something. I wonder if you can think just now what would bring that excitement into your life. I suppose we saw great crowds during the Jubilee excited about all that was happening here in London. I suppose we will see uh, crowds gather for the coronation of King Charles and there will be excitement. But I wonder what would get you so excited about uh, uh, someone or something. Excited if this happens. I wonder if anything comes to mind just now. Uh, maybe if we turn it around a wee bit and, and we think about 
life and personal circumstances and being saved from something because this crowd were welcoming Jesus as a saviour. So in our own lives, I wonder what it is in our lives that we, we start to think, I need saving from this. I suppose on a global scale we could think about peace being brought to the world as wars continue and tragedies continue. I suppose as we start um, uh, with another PM, we, we might think, well, is this going to be any better? What's going to come? I suppose if, we, if the cost of living went down, um, I suppose if work or exams and study and courses, um, if, we could be, if we could be saved from those or helped at least with those or, or given what we think we need, perhaps on a personal level it could be to do with relationships, uh, suffering, or maybe even something deeper only known to ourselves. Very real and we know that in some sense we want saving from this thing. And, and these things, when we feel them like that, they have a habit of, of filling our horizon because it's what we feel we need saved from. Are the crowd right about Jesus as he enters Jerusalem? To honour him in such a way John the disciple who writes these words, has written these words for us, he wants us to be certain about Jesus, his royal identity. He wants us tonight to go away believing that Jesus really is God's king and rescuer. The king and rescuer that each of us need. And to be excited by that and ready to honour him Look at verse 12. It starts, The next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, which means save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. So this great crowd, it, it could have been, if it was all the visitors, it could have been closing in on a million, going out of Jerusalem to meet Jesus, because they heard he was coming. That's just mind-blowing. Even if it, if it was half of that, 500,000, going out to meet Jesus, coming to Jerusalem, because that's what they've heard. Why are they going? We'll just glance down to verse 17. There had been another crowd who had been with Jesus when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead. That crowd continued to spread the word. So if you know what happens in chapter 11, a friend of Jesus called Lazarus was dead and buried for four days. And when Jesus came to his tomb, he called him out and gave him new life. Those who witnessed that had spread the word. And so that's what's been described in verse 17. Verse 18, many people, because they had heard that Jesus had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees, his enemies, said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere, because they've, they've hatched a plot to kill Jesus. 
They say, this is getting us nowhere. And look at this last line. Look how the whole world has gone after him. They are doing their best to forbid people from uh, getting excited about Jesus. They are the religious leaders. And here, this great crowd goes to celebrate his arrival in Jerusalem. The whole world has gone after him. So maybe it was something like a million. They're excited. They shout, Hosanna, which means save us. They shout, blessed is the king of Israel. You see, for three years in that, re- in that region, Jesus has been doing miracles. And his ministry has been happening. People have picked up on what's been happening And just before this event, he's raised someone from the dead, and word has spread. And it's not a secret. The great crowd heard about it. They heard about it from people who had seen it, and they went out to meet Jesus. If you want to be a success in life, here's my top tip. Raise someone from the dead. And the whole world will come to your door. And that is what is happening here in these verses. I find this so compelling, the the fact of this crowd. Compelling because they're acting because they've heard about what Jesus has done. And they're going to find out more. They've heard from eyewitnesses They have a reason for going to find out more about Jesus. I find it compelling, persuasive, encouraging. Because I don't think this could have been made up without being shot down. A million people, nearly. There's great excitement The reason for the great excitement is because they anticipate that with God's king arriving in the city, this is going to bring an end to Roman rule. That is probably what is uppermost in the mind of these people. And so there is a huge frenzy. That is what they want rescued from. But Jesus wants us to understand something more. Look at verse 14. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it as it is written. And we just got to pause for a moment and think about this detail of the donkey. Was this the best that he could get at short notice? There's about a million people come to, and, and oh, hang on, this is a bit of a surprise. Hang on, let's see what we've got. Looking around, looking around, looking around. Okay, it's just going to have to be the donkey. There's no stallion, there's no war horse, there's no charger. Let's go with the donkey. But in the other Gospels, we find that actually this was very specially chosen. He sent his disciples deliberately to find a young colt, a donkey. And it links in with the Old Testament reading that we had. Now, you might think, is it just because he's humble? And that is true, he is humble. But there's more. Look at verse 15. 
Do not be afraid. This is picking up lines from the Old Testament reading written centuries before from the prophet Zechariah. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. By riding on the donkey, Jesus is identifying himself as Zechariah's king. The king that Zechariah prophesied would one day come to Jerusalem. Centuries before this happened. I'm feeling compelled again. I find this so compelling that we don't just have to take the word of this huge crowd that Jesus is worth considering. But now, it's not just that the crowd are somehow proclaiming Jesus as king, but we have God's word centuries before marking out how his king would arrive in Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Here's more reasons to consider that Jesus matters, that he is God's king and rescuer, that he is worthy of honor. But what sort of king would he be? Zechariah's donkey-riding king is going to offer something bigger than the people were hoping for. Just keep your finger in John, but turn back to Zechariah and just look at how the king is described. It's on page 955. And we're just going to touch on a couple of verses very quickly. So remember, this is written centuries before. Page 955, chapter 9, verse 9. It's under the heading that says, The coming of Zion's king. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And what will this king do? He is the one who will bring, an, verse 10, an end to war. You see in the middle of verse 10, he will proclaim peace to the nations. What this king is going to do and achieve and offer is bigger than just Israel. It is to the world, to all nations. It will go to the ends of the earth. What else? Verse 11. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. This king will bring a release for people, for prisoners. And then down at the last line of verse 12, this king will bring restoration for his people. This is a picture of a complete salvation, bigger than just being delivered from the hands of Roman rule. Jesus is marking himself out as a different sort of king. He's marking himself out as Zechariah's king. Yes, he is God's chosen king. But he brings a far greater salvation than the people are looking for. They couldn't see it, nor could his disciples. Come back to John 
and see verse 16, the one verse we haven't touched on yet. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. You see, after his death and resurrection, that's what that little word glorified means, that is when things fell into place for the disciples. They started to understand more about what this was all about. So what? So what? What about us? I want to finish just by saying, first of all, if you're trying to understand Jesus, John, the disciple, writes these things to compel us, to give us reasons to believe in Jesus, that he really is God's King and Rescuer, the one that we all need. And like those first disciples, to understand that, we need the whole story. We need to understand how what happens here links to his death and resurrection at the end of this week. Not this week. This week in John chapter 12. That when we, when we get to that point... After this triumphal entry, the same crowd who are shouting, crucify him, that we don't think, well, that was just obviously wrong. Because the detail of the donkey is there to say, no, this was God's plan. That this great king should come and die on the cross. Jesus really is the promised King. And John writes so that we can be certain about Jesus, his royal identity. And why does that matter? It matters for those who are seeking and looking to find out more, but it matters for those of us who are already following Jesus. It matters for those of us who are already following Jesus and feeling the pressures of life and thinking, I need a saviour and a rescuer from this thing or from that thing. Think back to those hard things that may have come to your mind at the start, where there's uncertainty or anxiety in life. Hard things to do with work or study, to do with life and circumstances. The news feeds, how the pressures that come to us, decisions to be made. Because those things are the things that will cause disciples today to lose sight of Jesus, to lose sight of what he's done, what he's achieved through his death and resurrection. By his death and resurrection, he saves his people from their sin and from judgment. 
Remember those things talked about in, in Zechariah that the king will achieve? Well, Jesus, his salvation brings those to believers now. Peace with God. Release from sin. Forgiveness. Restoration as a child of God. That is what you have tonight if you are trusting in Jesus. It doesn't mean that the hard things go away, but it helps us to trust Him about those other things because we are sure of His royal identity. Excited by the salvation He brings and knowing that He truly is worth honouring in life, even in the midst of hard things. Let's pray. Father, as we feel the hardness of this life, as we look to be delivered and saved from things that press in, on us day by day. We pray please that you would help us to see with real clarity that Jesus is your King, the rescuing King. And to be excited by the salvation that he brings and gives to his people through his death and resurrection. that those who trust in Him have been forgiven and given peace with God. Help us please if we know this to be excited by this afresh. And even in the midst of hard things, help us to continue to honour Jesus day by day by trusting Him. In His name we pray. Amen.